0: We're so glad that you found this Peak City message today. Our prayer is that during our time together, you're able to discover Jesus and are encouraged to follow Him fearlessly.
1: A couple years ago, I moved 17 hours north from South Texas here to Colorado. Yeah, I did. <laughs> and I remember moving here and being absolutely terrified of how I was going to figure life out on my own. And I was like, God, I don't know if I heard you right, or maybe I misheard you, because this is. Scary, And I remember sitting in my room in this house that I shared with two sweet girls who love Jesus and unpacking boxes that smelled like home and I got a text and it was my friend Ryan who I worked with for two summers and he texted me and he was like, hey, do you have somewhere to go for church on Sunday? I mean, I had just moved there. Of course, I didn't have somewhere to go. So I was like, "Mm, I'll think about it. And then he was sending me another text and he was like, there's a whole bunch of us that sit together in second service right up at the front. You won't have to sit alone. So you should definitely join us. And I was like, okay, what the heck? Like, I don't have anything to lose. I can just go try out this church and be with people I know and it should be all good. But little did I know, I was going to meet some of the best friends of my life that weekend. People who walked with me through grief and difficult medical diagnosis. And people who reminded me that the race is worth running, that opened scripture for me whenever the Bible felt too heavy to open myself. And even better, we just sat around and we talked about how Jesus is working, how he's moving, and how he loves us. And I was reminded of his goodness. It was just incredible to watch church not be something that was just in my hometown, but that home is actually where my church is. That this is home. And so that is why... We are building a church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on! We are building a church, Peak City, where those who didn't grow up with faith meet Jesus for the first time, and those who did grow up with faith meet Jesus like it's their first time again. We are building a church where destructive lies about God and ourselves are dismantled, and we step into the truth that leads to freedom. We are building a church where a skeptic, Can belong before they believe, where the one who doubts sits next to the one who praises, because God is at work in them both.
0: Let's go, let's go.
1: We are building a church where we make life changing decisions because the Holy Spirit of Jesus is here and we won't let the Word of God fall on deaf ears. we are building a church where we get raw about our struggles because pretending doesn't do anyone any good where we passionately worship and serve jesus because he is too good to keep to ourselves and where we keep the gospel message clear because our world is desperately confused Church, we are building a church and we will preserve and pass on this sacred message to the next generation because the church is God's plan A to rescue humanity and there is no plan Come B. On, <laughs> Come on, Caroline. Come on, get up from Caroline.
0: It's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You are dismissed. You can go home. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Sit down. Sit down. Oh my gosh forget the sermon, man. It's over. Wasn't that incredible? Lord, have mercy. Caroline, so good to be with you guys. Man, we are building a church. You can feel it. You can feel it. If you're with us online, shout out to all of our online crowd. Let's welcome them in as well. Thankful to have you. Hello, mom. I know she's watching. Um, Man, we're coming off a great weekend. If you are new, welcome to the family. My name is Petey. I'm the lead pastor here, and we are coming off an exciting weekend where we had women's night on Friday night. We had nearly 200 women here in the house just getting together, hanging out, throwing axes, and I know you're probably wondering, why was I there? I'm there because these women are so wild, they need a chaperone up in this place, man. Last year, we sent no chaperones, and magically, somehow, mysteriously, the fire alarm went off and hunky, beefy firemen showed up, and I'm like, I can't. These women need supervision. These women need a need pastoral presence in their life, man. But it was an amazing night. If you're here and women's night was your first time, um, we're, welcome, we're glad to have you at church. We've got tons of women's groups that we'd love to get you connected to. So stop by the info bar on your way out. Um, meet somebody. We'd love to get you connected here. But today, 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 we are starting a, a brand new three-week teaching series um, that we are calling The Problem With Money. All right, and this, I know some of y'all, if you came for the first time, you're like, crap, I came on Money Weekend. Of all the weekends to come, I came on this one. But man, I'm telling you, uh, God is gonna use this thing in a powerful way. We actually saw just in our first service, uh, 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 over 10 people gave their lives to Jesus for the first time in response to a money message, which was just like (laughs) insane. God's just doing something. Because the, the reality is, it doesn't matter if you're a believer or not, it doesn't matter if you grew up in church or not, we all got money problems. Like the money presents problems To you, whether you got a lot or you got a little, it does not matter. Money is very, very problematic. And so, what we're going to do in this series is we're going to unpack the teachings of Jesus and the early church and how they handled money. But before we get into all that, I know some of you thinking you know how the series is going to go, and some of you thinking you know what I'm going to say. Maybe you've sat in on a money teaching from a from 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 another church. And so, uh, whatever expectations you have right now, I want to destroy them. I want to, before we jump into this, the problems with money, and there are many. All right, I, You just need to buckle up. This is not going to be an easy teaching series because if we really examine what Jesus and his earliest followers said and lived out when it comes to money, it's tough. It's really tough. But before, but, but, uh, before we get into the, the, the tough stuff, I want to lift your head up a little bit. And I want you to see a bigger vision that we are working towards. A a, a bigger vision for your money and God's money and the church and everything we are building together. And so I wrote this down. I just want to read it to you, okay? As a baseline, before we jump into any of the problems with money, before we jump into how to handle it, how to afford life in Colorado, all those things, I want you to understand that as a baseline, I believe that Christians, Jesus followers, ought to be the most self-aware honest, hardworking, innovative, creative, driven, risk-taking, accomplished, physically, spiritually, and emotionally healthy individuals in the world. Because I believe that the way of Jesus leads you into the most optimized life that you can experience, okay? So I believe that if Christians embody those traits that I just listed, and, 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 and in this cultural moment, you think about the way the world is operating right now. You think about the way the world is and how many different paths there are to money and, and earning money. And, and then you think about that list of things I mentioned to you about, about who Christians should be. I believe that Christians in this cultural moment will have the opportunity, if they choose to pursue it, to potentially become, and this is going to make some of you uncomfortable, to potentially become wealthy. That means if you're here and you aren't a follower of Jesus, I absolutely believe that if you would start following Jesus, you'll, be, you'll become a better human. you become a better friend, a better parent, a better spouse, and yes, a better employee, which means you'll have a bigger chance of making a bigger difference with your life and having more influence and more impact than you ever anticipated, which means you will have the chance, potentially, possibly, maybe, to become wealthy. And I know that makes some of you uncomfortable because you're like, here we go. He's about to turn into Joel Osteen, prosperity preaching, telling us, God's going to give you your money. Hold up, I know it might make you uncomfortable to hear that. It is true though, and you need to know that there are people in this room that you're sitting among right now who are brilliant, who are advancing in their field, who are building businesses, who are are leading the way, who are pioneering things in our culture, and they have earned and accrued wealth, and they also follow Jesus, all right? That's just real talk, okay? So if it makes you uncomfortable, it's just true. I'm sorry, it's true. But right now, there have never been more opportunities in our world to make money than there are right now. And Christians should be the best employees ever, the, 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 the most risky, the, 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 the best leaders out there. So, like, you can't put one and one equals two here, okay? Hear, hear me out, though. I believe that this is not a coincidence, I believe that the vast amount of opportunities to make money, to make wealth in our world, combined with the fact that Christians should be the best employees and the best leaders in the workplace, period, I don't think God is doing this by accident because you need to hear me say this. The movement of Jesus has a money problem. Here in the 21st century and as we continue into the 22nd century, the movement of Jesus will need significant resourcing the cost of ministry, the cost of real estate, the cost of staying relevant, the cost of addressing the needs of society, the cost of caring for the poor and the marginalized, these costs are not going down, they are going up. Okay. The sad reality right now is that most churches and ministries in our country are under-resourced and if something doesn't change in the next 50 years, many churches and many ministries will have to shut their doors. We, we have to call this, there is a resourcing problem in the movement of Jesus, and I believe God is doing something about it. I think right now in our time and place, I believe he is paving the way for Christians to lean in and build significant wealth and in turn give away significant wealth so that the kingdom of Jesus can continue to change lives across our world. If you study history, you will see at the heart of nearly every great philanthropic effort has been sacrificial and generous followers of Jesus. At the heart of every great world crises that has required people to step in and support and give aid and relief has been sacrificial and generous Christians. The world has always depended on generous Christians to address the needs of every generation. And I believe this is part of our great calling. As we head into the next phase of the movement of Jesus, I believe that we are supposed to, in this insanely wealthy period of human history, you know you were, by no choice of your own, born into one of the most wealthy periods in human history, 21st century America. I believe in that moment, God is calling us to show the world what it means to be radically generous as a reflection of God's radically generous love for us. It's bigger than can you pay the bills next month. It's bigger than, you know, is our, is our church financially healthy? Yeah, I mean, that's, we'll talk... It's bigger than that. God's doing something bigger. Zoom out for a second and see that God is doing something bigger in the world. And I believe he's positioning us as followers of Jesus to be a part of it. Now, before we can get to all that, though, because I got dreams, I got ambitions, I got things I want to I share with you in the weeks to come of what God is doing. And, and it's going to require us going all in. But, but before we get to all of that, the fun stuff with money, we got to face head on with courage and bravery, the problem with money. All right, because it don't matter if you got a lot or you got a little, money stresses people out. Money presents problems, money presents difficulties, money presents hardship in your life. And and, and the thing I'm praying for you in this series, the thing I've been praying all these past few weeks as I've been preparing this and, and going forward, I'm praying that in the next few weeks that God will bless your life with peace and provision. I'm praying that God will bless your life with peace when it comes to money and a path forward so you can trust that God is your provider. He has always been your provider and he will always be your provider. Peace and provision. So what I want to do before we even dive into the hard stuff, I just want to pray and ask God to do it. So we bow your heads with me. Close your eyes. Ain't nobody watching right now. And if you are comfortable with it and you want to receive from God in this series, I just want you to open up your hands before God. And we're just going to get our hearts right before him. Jesus, we have got money problems. And it is something that the vast majority of us in this room think about nonstop. It's a problem that every single one of us are dealing with every week. And Jesus, we are desperate in our search for peace. God, I know it right now that there's some people that are watching online, there's some people that are listening to this on a podcast, there's some people in the room right now who just can't seem to find peace in their finances. And I know you are the prince of peace. You want nothing but peace for our lives. So God, we're sitting here saying, teach us, show us. God, would you be our provider in the midst of all of this? Would you help us just to lean on you like never before? Speak to our hearts, speak to our minds, bring us peace and provision. Whatever you have to say to us, Jesus, our answer is yes. And it's in Jesus' name we all pray these things together by saying amen. amen. Grab a Bible, get to 1 Timothy chapter 6 is where we're going to be. First Timothy chapter 6. We're going to be in verse 9. The title of my sermon to you today is another Warm and fuzzy, positive sermon title. The problem with money, my, my sermon title for you today is that it's mostly a curse. It's mostly a curse. Uplifting, positive, encouraging. Peak City. It's mostly a curse. First Timothy chapter six, verse nine and ten. If you if you don't have a Bible, if you don't sweat it, we'll have the words on the screen. But even if you're not familiar with the Bible, you've probably heard this verse. That we're going to be uh, unpacking today. You've likely heard it misquoted, though. OK? First, Timothy chapter six, verse nine. y'all ready? Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. Come on. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. That's worse than my sermon title. That's way more depressing. It says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. That's probably the verse you've heard before, misquoted. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Leave that verse on the screen for me for just a moment. You've heard a version of that before, right? Even if, you, even if this is your first time in church, you've heard that money is the root of all evil, right? Money is the root of all evil. That's what the passage says, right? Money is the root of all evil. No, 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 no. That's not what it says, It says the love of money is the root of all evil, right? Like my son's video games in and of themselves are not evil, right? But his love of video games, his love of Rocket League, his obsession, right? Some of y'all like nodding your heads to Rocket League. Y'all are the weird adults that are playing my kid online. (laughs) You're the ones that are getting smoked by my 12-year-old in Rocket League, okay? It's not the video game that's evil, it's it's the love of. Right? It's it's not that, you know, I, I'm a big bourbon fan, big whiskey fan. It's not that bourbon and whiskey in of itself is evil, it's the it's the love of that will get you into trouble. It's the love of that will break your bank account, it's the love of that'll have you doing some really stupid things. It's the love of, right? And so we go, oh man, I'm so glad. You know, when I when I say that, I know some of you are like, Whew, thank goodness money's not the root of all evil. Thank goodness it's the love of money. Because that's not me, we all say, right? I'm not that psycho money person. Money's just like a thing in my life, but I don't love money. I'm not like a freak with it. You know, like I've got this friend, uh, I, I hope he doesn't watch this, or else he's, gonna, he's gonna, I'm calling him a freak, which I am calling him a freak a little bit. But he, he called me a couple months ago and he just lives in a different world. He lives in a different like financial world. He was like, PD, I don't, I don't need much when it comes to money. I just need enough to rent out a private jet once a year and take my boys to a UFC fight and fly us back. And I was like, man, you, you love money. Like, I'm, I'm glad I'm not like that. I'm glad that's not me, you know. I don't love money. Um, my, my, um, my parents recently blessed us with a bucket list trip to Disney World. I right, got to take our kids to Disney World. They're at the perfect ages to enjoy the magic. And it was amazing. We got to, well, we got to see my, my daughter Tatum, six years old, dressed up like a princess, standing in front of the castle. I'm like, Lord have mercy, I can die right now. Like I said, everything I've ever wanted in life is right there, you know? And it was an amazing trip. Disney's a crazy place, though. And when you're at Disney, if you've been to Disney, you know, like, there are freak Disney people. Like, there are people that, I mean, they are Disney freaks. Like, they will wait in line and they call it rope dropping. You like, you like, when the rope drops and the park opens, they're running to rides and they're doing Disney Genie Plus, the lightning lanes, and they're like scheduling stuff out and no waits. And, and they're aggressive too. They're very aggressive people, real aggressive. They're freaks. And so I walk in on our first few days, I'm like, man, I'm glad I'm not a Disney freak. I'm glad that's not me. And then, like, the third day we're there, I was like, hey, so we're going to rope drop, right? We need to get there because I don't want to wait in line. So we're going to rope drop. And then I've got the little lightning lane thing. I'm like booking rides all day long. We ain't going to wait in no lines. I'm going, man. I'm going. And so I'm I'm starting to feel the aggression coming. I'm like, oh my gosh, I think I'm a Disney freak. I can feel it happening. You know, then this one lady, she was in her 50s or 60s. She was a woman on a mission. She was a Disney freak for sure. She comes up, and you know at Disney, like, everyone's going a million different directions. Like no one's, go- there's no one uniform way of traffic flow. It- everyone's going. And so my son, my 12 year old son walks in front of her and-, and he didn't mean to. He's just like trying to figure out the crowds and he's a kid. And he walks in front of her and she has to stop real abruptly. And she stops and she's like, looks at my son, and she goes, oh! And so I said, Disney freak mode activated. And I said, hey, don't talk to my son. Don't treat my son like that. He's a kid. Like, he's a kid. You're an adult. Be better. And then some guy behind you goes, what did you say? I said, I told this woman to not talk to my son like that and to be better. He said, well, that woman's my mom. I said, well, tell your mama to not be like that to my son. And he goes, back up, man. I'm like, you started this. Your mama started this, man. (laughs) The headlines almost read. Pastor beats up man at Epcot. And there was part of me that was like a little worried that like what if someone was recording on social media and it got back to my church that I got a little altercation with with the guy at Disney. But I also know that y'all are sick enough that you would actually be proud of me for that. There's a part of me that wasn't worried at all. I was like, if the headline read, pastor's locked up in a Florida County jail because some woman ran in front of his kid, y'all are the sick people to be like, that's my pastor. That's him. That's my pastor. He don't take no crap from nobody. I didn't think I was a Disney freak until I realized I was, you know? You don't think you love money, but I hate to say, you're about to have that Disney freak moment right now. Okay. It's about to happen right now, Uh, because the passage we just read actually tells us the two main descriptors for what it looks like to know whether or not you love money. The two main descriptors, and we can go back and read them, and they're very convicting, they're very challenging. It says that you know you love money, and again, it's before and after for the love of money, so you can tell it's kind of sandwiching this. It's like, you know you love money if those who want to get rich Or some people eager for money. Uh Uh-oh. Those who want to get rich, come on now. Come on now. You mean if someone pulled you, boss pulls you into the office and says, hey, we want to give you a big promotion. It's a six-figure raise. Tell me you don't have a plan of what you would do with it. Come on, in in the age of, Everyone's got 10 side hustles. Come on, come on. We don't want to get rich. Some people eager for money, right? Eager for money. You go, again, I know, I know what you're thinking. You're like, but Petey, my desire for wealth has noble ambition, right? I'm eager for more more money because I want to get out of debt, I'm eager for more money. I, I desire to be wealthier because I want to provide a better life for my children. I want to give more money away to the church. I want that new house so that I can be hospitable, right? You've got noble ambitions behind it. But the text does not say that the love of money descriptors are those who want to get rich and spend it on themselves. It does not give ambition behind it. It does not say that those eager for money to spend it on themselves. There is no ambition attached to it. There is no pure motive attached to it. It says those who want to get rich, those who are eager for money, that's how you know if you love money. And here's the deal, guys. I'm right there with you. I scanned my Rolodex this week. I was going through my mind of all the contacts I've got across the country. I've served in four different states for 20 years as a pastor. And so I have, I've got, hundreds and thousands of people that I know across the country. And I'm telling you, I was scanning them all to say, do I know anybody that doesn't want to get rich? Do I know anybody that doesn't that isn't eager for more money? I have one friend. One friend who doesn't fit the bill. And he's a pastor in California. And um, he said, PD, money scares me. So we pay our bills and at the end of the month, whatever we've got left in the bank, we just start giving the money away. We give friends $100 bills and we just shell it all out because I'm scared. I said, that's a terrible retirement strategy. <laughs> you, you're going to be... <laughs> The old man at Walmart passing out stickers till the day you die. <laughs> but he's like, I, I, I'm just scared of it. I don't want anything to do with it. I have one friend who doesn't fit the bill. Every single one of us, we know what we do with it if we got it. We've got plans for it. We've got noble ambitions. And, and we just, we can't uh, sugarcoat this thing. All right, we can't, we can't like 21st century Western Americanize this thing. We gotta just sit in the suck for a second. And that's what this is. This passage sucks for us. Because we have been convinced that we got to go earn. We got to go make. We got to go produce. We got to go. We got to go. Because what if, what if the world falls apart? What if world three, what, what, uh, world three breaks out? What if the stock market tanks? Whoa, whoa, whoa. We got to just sit in the suck that this says that if you desire more money, which we all do, if you want to get rich, even if you've got a good plan for it, you need to be very, very careful Because just sit in this for a second. Sit in this with me. Bring that verse back up. It says that those who want to get rich, it says they fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Sit in that for a moment. That That is so, it should scare us. That the the American dream actually almost puts us in line with danger, according to the New Testament. It says, for the love of money, it's the root of all kinds of evil. Your pursuit of more money, it's actually like the seedling. It's like the beginning of all kinds of evil that you don't even know about. You don't even know yet. You can't even see the kinds of things it's going to do in your life. It's the root of all kinds of evil. And says some people eager for money, they've even wandered from the faith. sit in the suck for a moment with me in that. The pursuit of wealth and riches, scripture tells us that it actually, there's a percentage chance that you will actually walk away from God because of it. You'll walk away from the very one that we just raised our hands and said, thank you, Lord, I just want to thank you, Lord, for your salvation, for your forgiveness, for eternal security, that riches and wealth may actually cause you to walk away from it. You see, I'm just trying to get you to see what the Bible teaches, and I can't I can't sugarcoat it, it's convicting to me, it should be convicting to all of us. But we have to face this head on, that the problem with money is that it's mostly a curse. (sighs) It's mostly a curse. And and here's the deal, I've seen it as a pastor, you've seen it too, you've seen it. Money can bring a curse to so many areas of your life. It's it's possible. Uh, Money can curse your family. Money can curse your family. Um, You know, your kids, are actually watching how you handle money it's caught not taught your kids see the the freak out moments that you have your kids see how you spend your kids a, a poverty scarcity mentality is caught not taught a lack of gratitude a um, we deserve this because we've worked for this it's caught not taught and it'll wreck your kids lives and not only that come on come on come on the pursuit of more wealth how many kids How many kids whose parents are in this room right now are going to grow up and they're going to sit in a counselor's office and they're going to say, my dad, my mom, they were, they were with me, but they were never really there because they were always checking on stuff. They were always working. They were always taking the next call. They were always doing whatever they had to do to make the next sale. And they were there, but they were never really there. It, it, I'm telling you, the pursuit of more wealth can absolutely bring a curse to your family. It, the, money can curse your marriage. It can curse your marriage. Uh, it, it's no coincidence that any counselor will tell you the top two things that, that lead to divorce, that end marriages, are sex and what? Money. There is a marriage in this room, there's a marriage watching online right now, where one of you is feeling intense pressure a financial burden and the other is living in ignorance of it and you don't know it, but it's going to hit the fan. It's going to hit the fan. I'm telling you, it, it can absolutely curse your marriage. That's why, that's why you should understand that every promotion you are offered in life, you should not necessarily take. Every promotion you are offered in life, I'm telling you, you need to be careful because if it's a promotion, you just need to sit back and evaluate. Yes, you're going to make more money, but is it really worth more stress? Yes, you're going to make more money, but is it really worth you being away from home for more hours? Yes, you're going to make more money, but is it really worth the detriment of your family? Not every promotion is actually a step up. Because you, you, I'm telling you, money can curse your, your marriage. Money can curse your mental health. I know far too many people who are constantly figuring out how to make more. They're constantly figuring out how to survive. They're constantly figuring out how to, how to, how to keep their standard of living. And that grind on their mental health... It's killing them. It's killing them. I know there's somebody listening to this right now. I know there's somebody in this room right now that is. this is speaking to your heart right now because you feel it. You feel it. You, you are terrified about the bills that are about to come through. And you don't know how you're going to make it. And the pursuit of more, the pursuit of more. And some of y'all actually have a fine standard of living, but you can't, you can't stop, right? It's like, that, that, that's the wreck that money does on your mental health. It's like, you think if I just get to this number, get to this pay grade, get to this house, you think it's going to be enough, but it's never enough. It's an appetite that's just always hungry. And money can curse your, your mental health. And money can curse your decision-making. I'm going to keep going. I know people in this room who... Overleveraged themselves and put themselves at way too much risk financially, and it blew up in their face, and they've been spending decades trying to dig themselves out of it. Because money's a horrible decision maker. You need more of it, you'll actually do stupid things to, to make more of it that put your whole life at risk. On the flip side, though, oh come on, come on, come on, come on. I know so many wealthy people who money has actually neutered their courage. Once you get it, you're afraid to lose it. And if the Lord your God calls you to do something that requires you to sacrifice, if the Lord your God calls you to do something that requires a decrease in your standard of living and you can't say yes to it because of money, I'm telling you, it has brought a curse to your decision-making. It's more of a curse, mostly a curse. And, and this last one, I, I'm gonna talk about this more next week, but you know, money, money can curse your faith. I, I, I want to dig into this really deep next week about what money does to your relationship with God, about, about what that, and, and there's a whole lot to unpack there, uh, but suffice it to say, there's a reason that Jesus said that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get into the kingdom of heaven. I, I mean, come on, like the, the money can, it, it, I'm not saying it has to, come on, I'm not saying it has to, but money is mostly, the way the Bible speaks of it, again, take me out of it, just go read the New Testament the way the New Testament Jesus speaks about money is mostly a curse. It's dangerous. It's, it's scary. There's a lot of bad that can happen in it. But you know what sucks? Is that you can't get away from it. It's like plaid in Colorado in the fall, baby. You preachers wearing it. Your teacher's wearing it, everybody's. You can't get away from plaid in Colorado. (laughs) Ain't nothing you can do. Keith's got it on today even. We all wearing it. You can't get away. Money's a curse, but you can't escape it. Money's mostly a curse, but you still got to pay the bills. Money's mostly a curse, but you still getting offered promotions. Money's mostly a curse, but you still got to deal with it. You're between a rock and a hard place. And that's why I love the Lord our God. Because God, I'm telling you, he wants peace and provision for your life and there is a way out, there is a way out. Hope is on the way. I'm telling you, I'm about to read a passage of scripture to you that can change your life. I think it, 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 it can loosen shackles on your soul in a moment. There is one passage, I swear when I read it, some of you guys are gonna feel relief. You're gonna feel peace. The Holy Spirit's gonna change your life in one moment. Peace is on the way. Hope is on the way. Are you ready for it? It's a thousands of year old passage. But it describes how Jesus, how his earliest followers, and how many people in this room have managed to find peace and provision when it comes to money. Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 30, verse eight and nine. Peace is on the way. Peace is on the way. Here it comes. You ready? You ready? Open your heart. Open your mind. Open your mind. I'm telling you, this verse can change your life if you will let it. Here it is. Give me neither Poverty, nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, it's already setting people free. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. Peace, peace just entered your heart the possibility of freedom just entered your heart in a thousands of year old verse from the Bible that Jesus, his earliest followers and people of faith up to this day in this room right now have been following. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me my daily bread. Give me what I need. And anything else, God, you take it back. Give me neither poverty nor riches. You know, God, God, God don't give me poverty. You know, I, th- I think sometimes the church comes down so hard on, on the wealthy. But like, no, 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 you need to understand the Bible speaks just as poorly about, about those who are lacking money. Because what they end up doing is um, uh, sacrificing their character and integrity for the sake of making a buck. Don't give me poverty. I don't, I don't want to have to become desperate and do things that are not me to pay the bills. No, 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 no. Give me neither poverty. That's not the solution. He also says, don't give me riches. Otherwise, I may disown God. I may say, who is the Lord? I've built up this wealth. I've built up these, I've worked hard for this. God is a provider. I don't know that I need a provider. Give me neither poverty nor riches. You know, it's a rare sighting in the church. How many are bird watchers? You got any bird watchers in the house? Nobody. Nerds are alone. (laughs) You know what's a rare sighting in the church? It's like a rare bird. A wealthy worshiper. That's a rare sighting. And I ain't talking about somebody that raised their hands and go nuts and hoots and hollers in worship. That's singing worship. That's a version of worship. Worship is standing before God and saying, God, all I have is yours. Nothing I have belongs to me. It's all because of you and you could take it away in the blink of an eye and God, I need you. God, I love you. God, I'm grateful for you. Everything I have is yours. That's worship. It's a rare sighting. I, I can find wealthy volunteers all the time. I can find wealthy uh, uh, investors, wealthy supporters. I can find, it's hard to find someone that is wealthy that still says, Jesus, all I have is yours. It's rare. Give me neither poverty Nor riches, just give me my daily bread. Here it is. Here's the path to peace. Money's mostly a curse, but if you want it to be a blessing in your life, this is the path of Jesus, this is the path of his earliest followers, this is the path of so many people in this room. Money can bless your life if it fits in your open hands. Money can bless your life if it fits in your open hands, not your closed hands. God, this is mine and I, I can't let go of this. What, what, what will happen? No, 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 your open hands, God, is, it wasn't mine in the first place. God, I didn't, you didn't give me the energy to make this in the first place. And God, give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me my daily bread. God, give me what I need. Give me what will fit into my open hands. And God, if you happen to bless me with more, I'm gonna give it back. And if you happen to bless me with more, I'm gonna be generous. If you happen to bless me with more, I'm not gonna let money steal my love for you, Jesus. Money can bless your life if it fits into your open hands. Thank you so much for joining us for this Peak City message today. If you'd like more information on Peak City Church or if you'd like to give to the mission here in Colorado Springs, then check us out at peakcityco.com.